morning, everyone. My name is Penny Podrigovic and I'll be um, giving you the Bible reading today. If you do not own a Bible, there are Bibles there at the back table. You may take one. It is a gift from us. Um, the Bible reading is from Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 to 23. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belonged to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Well, good morning, everyone, and, and welcome to Toongabi Baptist Church. My name's James. I've got the joy of opening up God's Word this morning as we continue our, our series in the book of Colossians, where we're looking at being captivated by Jesus. Um, so grab your Bibles, have it open there. I'm going to pray for us um, as we come to God's Word this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will captivate our hearts, quieten our minds, Help us to see where we need to be rebuked and challenged. See, reveal to us where we need to be encouraged and just given your word that just saturates our heart. Father, this morning we pray that you'll just help us to know how to navigate the expectations of life and this world so that we never forget the fullness and the freedom that we have in your son, Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think they are probably one of the most well-recognised couples in the world, especially in the 90s and especially in 2000. And it's David Beckham and Victoria Beckham. Now, they're quite famous. If you don't know them, go and Google them. But Victoria, she was a part of the, the, the girl band called the Spice Girls. And so for me as a teenage, I didn't listen to girl bands, but, you know, I could probably sing most of the Spice Girls tunes to you today. But, you know, she is someone who had wealth. She could sing. Um, she had incredible talent. And then you had David Beckham, probably one of the best football players in the world at the time and even still today. This power couple who came together with beauty, prestige, talent, and they really had everything in the world. And so being me, um, recently there's a TV show on Netflix and I've been watching documentary in their life where you get to hear about Victoria, you get to hear about David, and you just get this sense of their life and the expectations that they had. 
And it's just been really intriguing that the most powerful, you know, one of the most recognisable couples who had so much talent, so much wealth, who had everything really that all of us would want, and yet the constant battle of the media and the world sort of placing expectations upon their life. Now, there is this one point where I, I, I got struck by this comment by David Beckham. He just got a job with Real Madrid in Spain. He went from Manchester United. He went here for, you know, they paid to get him there because he's a really good soccer player. And you have this moment where one of the best soccer players in the world goes onto the field for the first time and he's petrified and he's nervous. And the, and the interviewer said, well, why? And, and David said this, he says, in my mind, I was thinking, am I going to be good enough to play with these guys. Like, whoa. Like, they've got him to come and play because he's so good. And yet, the expectation was so overburdened that he felt like he wouldn't measure up, that he would say, am I good enough to play with these guys? You know, in a way, he's saying, I really didn't feel like I measured up. And you even see it with Victoria at times, that the pressure and the expectations. Now, I, I don't see too many David and Victoria Beckhams here today in the sense that the whole world and the media are on us with expectations. But do, do you have expectations? Do you feel like sometimes you just don't measure up? Are there times in life where you feel like you haven't met the demands of other people? You feel lost. You feel like the weight of the world is on you. Whether it's an external expectation, you know, it's other people that are placing it upon you, or whether it's actually the internal battle that's going on where you think that, that, that you feel like, oh, I just don't measure up. And, and it can be overburning, and you can feel the weight of that. But I do wonder whether sometimes, now that you're a Christian, do you ever feel like that in church life, like you don't measure up? That that weight or that burden as you look around, you feel like the expectations of other people around you are just, you think, am I really a Christian? Have I really got the fullness of Christ? Have I really got everything I need in, in Him? Because I think, Today, actually, sometimes the biggest external expectations and internal can actually come from within us, from amongst us. And that's really what's happening in the, in the book of Colossians. That's what's happening at this church. False teachers have sort of come in and they're offering things. In a way, they're saying you need to offer more to God so that he'll offer more to you. And so today, we're going to be thinking about this idea of expectations of trying to measure up. But yet, actually, what we're going to see is that we actually have freedom in Jesus. We're set free from that. Now, you might be here today and you're not a Christian. Maybe you've come expecting that Christianity is all about religion and rules and about you must offer more and climb the stairways to heaven. Well, hopefully you may see today this passage is actually going to help you realize that actually Christianity can set you free. Have a look at your Bibles there now. Like Paul, he's writing, he's, he's writing to Christians. He's writing to the church of Colossae in about 60 A.D., People are coming in and, and adding things. But have a look at verse 16. I want you to notice the first word. It says, therefore. Therefore, do not. Now, the therefore tells all of us something very pivotal. In light of 
what I've just said. Now, last week, what did we learn from Alan? We saw that we have the fullness. Jesus, in Jesus is the fullness of deity. Everything is in him. We've died in him, so we have that fullness. And in the remaining verses, we saw that we were free, that our debt has been cancelled, our sin has been wiped clean, that the, 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 the record sheet is gone and Christ has nailed it to the cross, and therefore your past, present, and future sins are completely wiped out. And therefore, Paul says a couple of things for us this morning. Because in a way, these false teachers that are, that are sort of coming in and infiltrating, they're getting among the people, are in a way saying, yes, you've received Jesus, but you must now do this. How will you grow and become more? Here are some things more that you must do. And so they were having a Jesus and religion and rituals, Jesus and super spiritual experiences, Jesus and ascetic practices to avoid the pollution of this world. And so this morning, as we face false expectations, what are we to remember? Well, I think Paul, he's, this is a letter to us, that in, these verses encourage us. It encourages us, us to know firstly the freedom that we have, the freedom from the demands of religion and duty. In light of the fullness of Christ, in light of the freedom we have in Christ, don't let anyone judge you by religion and rituals. You're free from the demands of religion. Now grab your Bibles there, look at verse 16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you. They, they there's probably the false teachers. Don't let them judge you by what you eat or drink or whether in regards to the religious festivals, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. Now, in, in Colossae in 60 AD, at this church, you've got Gentile Christians who are from a pagan background, and then you've got the Jews who have come from a Jewish background. They've been saved in Christ, they've mixed together. And so what's probably happening here is, more than likely, Paul is talking about Old Testament laws and regulations and festivals. And yet at the same time, there's probably a mix of pagan festivals as well mixed in there. And so people are coming along and saying, hey... They're judging you. Well, hang on, you don't meet on the Sabbath, it's a Saturday. You should be doing that. Why aren't you at the festivals? Why aren't you at the new moon festival? Why aren't you following all these rules and rituals and regulations? And so they're judging this church. I wonder, have you ever experienced that? Someone says you must take a Sabbath on a Saturday. Maybe you mustn't eat pork. Maybe you shouldn't drink or get tattoos. It's, it's that sort of, well, well, you need to be doing this. And he says, don't let anyone judge you. But why? Why are we free from the demands of religion and rituals? Well, it matters because they actually have no substance. Because the reality is in Jesus. Did you see that in verse 17? These are a shadow of the, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ Jesus, in Jesus. They're only a shadow. They're not the real substance. And yet you're wanting to go back to something that has no substance, to go from someone who has full substance. It's, it's crazy. I reckon there's a sense of humor here by Paul in this couple of verses. Now, it's mag, well, it was magpie season. I don't know whether you worry about magpies, but magpies are one of those um, fetchy animals that get me a little bit on edge, especially when I'm running, because, you know, magpies, that magpie season, they get a bit aggressive and they start to attack you from behind. And so there on Harold Road, on the corner of Harold Road and Prospect Highway, it's a spot where I run and I come back to come home. And it, I reckon it's Magpie Corner. There's just 
like this magpie's everywhere and they swoop you and woo, woo, you hear that flap and it's like I just really get nervous of that but at the time I go running I run at a certain time of day generally and so when I'm running back home I had this the sun sort of behind me and so I had this shadow and because I'm really tall guess what my shadow's really long and I run along and I sort of chase my shadow you can watch it and you're running along and you're enjoying this and you watch it but the shadow's not me right it's got no substance but then because of the speed there's the shadows that direction guess what I see all of a sudden you see the magpie coming in with the shadow and it's flapping its legs and what do I do in that moment do I keep looking at the shadow no 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 like I tell what I do I I'm like this I'm behind because because I can see the shadow tells me of the, the substance and see what Paul's saying here is all these things that they're, they're shadows that pointed to the real substance don't let them judge you by things that were shadows that pointed to something greater it's like Hebrews chapter 10 the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming not the realities themselves and so here it's Jesus and they're actually taking you away from the real substance the shadow makes me look around and so these things were meant to make you look to Jesus and we're free from those demands of religion and rituals because Christ has fulfilled all the demands and so that's the first thing he wants us to be reminded of is that as we face false expectations that we are to remind of the freedom that we have and that we're free from the demands of religion and duty but secondly he wants to remind us that we're actually free from the bondage of reputation and identity we 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 place expectations upon ourselves whether other people place it upon us or whether it's internal bondage to identity and reputation will end up drowning and overwhelming us to to have this identity or reputation that we're seeking to climb and to find and to have all the time you know maybe, maybe right now you want to have a reputation or maybe at the core of your identity is that you want to have a spouse you want to have a husband or, or a wife and so it, it ends up crushing you because after relationship after relationship you are crushed by the demands of it and, and it breaks and you haven't got what you wanted or, or that identity maybe, maybe you have that identity of um you, you want to be the perfect parent and so being the perfect parent means that you'll have the school lunches packed every day they'll have fresh clothes every day you'll attend every single one of your child's events at school and the list goes on and people around you know that you're the super mom or the super dad and they're like wow and so your identity's in that and so one day you mess up and you miss your child's concert or you miss your child's graduation and it just shatters you you feel so overwhelmed by it now the other parents around you are like oh they miss but it's not a big deal like this and you have that identity tied up and that reputation and so you're so strung to that or maybe it's that that reputation you want to have of being the wise person that everyone comes to you're always there to help you're always willing to, to, to help where it's needed and you'll do whatever you can and you do it and people come to you for wisdom and advice and, and, and everything in between and then you just stuff up and the guilt and the shame is just upon you that it just overwhelms you by the expectations of this reputation and identity that you're seeking see expectations they, they drown you they leave you over feeling overwhelmed and we live in a world that's consumed by always needing to 
prove oneself. A world where the underlying nature is that we need to look good. Or that, you know, if you're on Instagram or Facebook or on the social media pages, like, you've got to look like you're having the best holiday, you've got the best family, and so you post all the best pictures. And they're even, well, they're your best pictures that are now, like, you know what I mean, like, we can make any photo look good. Just put in AI and it makes it even better. Like, it's like, you've got the perfect world. And the world consumes us to prove that we're good. And there's this, there's this reputation and identity that the world wants us to live up to all the time. But see, Christ actually frees us from that. But see, even here in the church, these false teachers had a reputation to live up to. Not only are they boasting about their religion and rituals, they've also got a reputation, I think, for boasting in their super spiritual experiences. Their identity comes from having these experiences that no one else is having. And Paul says in verse 18, he just says, don't let them disqualify you. The word disqualify just basically means you don't measure up. Don't let them disqualify you. See, disqualify basically implies that you're missing out. Have a look at verse 18. Don't let anyone disqualify you because you haven't had these super spiritual experiences. Verse 18, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. False humility, it's, it's not real humility, it's prideful humility. Um, it's depriving yourself of things for your own ego and to make yourself look like you're humble before everyone else. It looks like humility, but it, makes, it leaves you feeling empty and not measuring up. I am... Um, it, was, it wasn't here, it was, it was, it was years ago, I, I, was, I went to a, another denomination, another church, and I was just there for the induction of, of, a, of a minister. And I, and I vividly remember this, that I, I was talking to the person beforehand, I met them a week before, because they moved to the town, and you, you always go to different things. And, and I remember talking to him, and he, he, was just, he was just a bit like me. Well, not exactly like me, he hasn't got the accent anymore, but he was just like, just everyday Joe Blow. And, and I thought, this, you know, and we talked and chatted, and he was just like me. I thought, oh, this is nice. But then I went to the induction service and there was this switch that flipped. His tone of voice changed. He started to have a deeper voice. He started to do things with his body language. He started to do, wear certain clothes and do certain things in a way that sort of says, I'm here to lead you. And I think that's a bit of false humility. Because see, false humility, there's this false and there's real. False humility leaves you, now if you're the, on the other side of it, it leaves you feeling like you don't measure up. It leaves you feeling like you've got to do more. But real humility leaves you delighting in Jesus. They've pointed you to Jesus. Not making you feel like, oh boy, I'm... Blah. But, but, but not only is there false humility, like there's this experience, there's, there's this idea of experiential because there's a worship of angels. What is that? It's not exactly sure. Like, are they saying that they're in the realms worshipping with angels or are they worshipping angels or are they worshipping like the angels? It, it doesn't really matter. It's just that they're saying we're super spiritual because we worship like this. And then they go on and go, but such a person also goes into great details about what they have seen or visions or dreams. There's another way you could put it. And, and, and it puffs them up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. 
We've had these special dreams. Why haven't you? See, their identity comes from these kinds of things. They're allowing those things to puff up their minds. See, puff up, it's like, you know, balloon. You blow the balloon up and your ego expands. And they're boasting about this reputation that they have. You need to be more like us. And the reason that they're doing it, it's not because they're actually super spiritual. It's because it's their fleshly desires, their unspiritual mind. They start with Jesus, but then it's Jesus and. You've got to grow. To become more like Jesus, you need more of this. And if you don't, well, maybe you're not growing. But Paul says, don't let them disqualify you. If you have faith in Christ, you have all that you need. And there's a warning, right? Now, there's a warning, but there's a warning to that, that kind of teaching. But at the same time, that's just an encouragement as well in verse 19. Right? Sometimes we sit and we think they're the ones who are connected most to Jesus. And verse 19 says, well, they've lost connection. with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God calls it to grow. So the point here is what's happening is these false teachers saying to grow, right, you need to have this. That to, 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 to be a better Christian, to grow and to be more like Christ, you've got to have this to grow. But that verse actually says, no, 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 no. Actually, God does the growing. And these false teachers have actually disconnected from Jesus in that approach and they're actually removing themselves from the community of God's believers, the church. And yet that expectation can be full on us that we feel like, oh man, I don't measure up. Jesus is the source. God is the source of our growth. The ones who make you feel like they are super spiritually connected because they've had an experience that you haven't had are the ones who may have actually lost connection. We're free. Our, our, our reputation and identity is not tied up in those things. It's tied up in Jesus. I, um, it's, not, it's not an exact example of this, but there was a time in a, in a previous um, location where... Um, a travelling evangelist, a solo evangelist, moved to town, came for a little bit, came with no expertise, no, but, but said, I'm an evangelist, and came around. And, and what I started to find out about this travelling evangelist was, he was going around telling people that Jesus isn't enough. He said, oh, no, no, okay, you've received it, but have you received this? Have you seen this? And before long, I started to realise that he was actually a false teacher. I remember one Sunday after church, he came up to me and he said, James, have you experienced this? I said, no. And he says, well, that's a problem. I said, oh. He said, Are you sure? He said, no, 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 you should experience this. If you haven't experienced that, then how could you call yourself a Christian? I said, okay. Next thing he said to me was, he said, you see that girl that's disabled there who's in a wheelchair? The reason she's not healed is because you don't have faith. And then he went to me and pointed, he said, pointed at everyone in the church building and said, the reason this girl hasn't been healed is because of this church. I thought, 
See, in that moment, he said, you don't measure up. Subtly is saying, you, don't have, you say you have Jesus, but no, 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 you need to be like me in this moment. He, he, he was putting a super spiritual, he, he was in these super spiritual experiences that said, if you haven't had it, then how can you call yourself a Christian? And he left people feeling inadequate, not measuring up. And even, you know, even though I knew he was a false teacher in that moment, because Colossians tells me, and other parts of the Bible tell me that, I still felt like, oh, I wonder if I am missing out. There's been times, you know, where I've thought to myself, man, I'm a, I feel like I'm a weak Christian. Because I don't pray like Jasmine. <laughs> or I, I haven't experienced the kind of miracles that John's experienced. Or I've never had a dream like Susie's had. I haven't had this kind of experience. Like, maybe I'm just a weak Christian. And I reckon that this may possibly be more the majority in this room than the minority. And what does Paul say to you and me when we start to think like that? He says, if you're in Christ Jesus, you have everything. Don't let that disqualify you. Your identity isn't tied up in those things. Your reputation isn't tied up in that. It's tied up in the fullness and the freedom that you have in Jesus Christ. In the incarnate God who came, who died in our place, who was raised from the grave, who's given us his spirit. It's interesting that um, we seek reputation and identity and yet it ends up letting us down. Margaret Mitchell, who was the award-winning author of Gone with the Wind, she said, until you lose your reputation, you never realise what a burden it was or what freedom really is. See, until we actually realise that we have our reputation, our identity, it's actually not, we don't make it, Christ has made it, do we experience real freedom. You know, I, I know, there's always expectations of people on a pastor, on leaders, there's always expectations that you can never live up to. But if your identity is in that title, if your identity is in those things, if your identity is in being a spouse or a, or a prayer or this or that, 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 that what will happen is those things will crush you because of the expectation is too big. Whereas when we realize that our freedom is in Christ, we will, it just changes the way we live. So these are encouraging words. Do you notice it? Because it's, it's always constantly, they will judge you, they will disqualify you, they will do that. And he's just saying, I want us to encourage you, don't let them judge you, don't let them disqualify you. And may, I think just maybe for a moment, I, I was sitting in the office this morning and, and I realised, I thought, maybe today, maybe you're here and you're struggling with severe depression. Maybe right now you're a Christian and you're feeling really anxious, overwhelmed and it just feels like darkness is my only friend. Can I tell you that it's in those moments where you will think that you don't measure up. It'll be in those moments where you'll think, I come to church today and I can't even sing, I can't even raise my hands. Does that mean I'm a lesser Christian? A passage like this just gives you absolute freedom, whether you feel like you can sing or whether you can't, whether you're going through the darkest valley right now or whether you're not, your identity and your reputation is not based upon you, how you're feeling. You're free. Jesus went through the darkest valley, the one who's given us life. Which really leads us to the, the third thing. 
that we have freedom from the ineffectiveness of external regulations. You know, if I was to ask you the question, what does Western Sydney need? Yeah. Because sometimes I think we think what Western Sydney needs is more policies that are in line with Christianity. That we need more rules and regulations that will hamp everything in and make our country better. But rules and regulations never solve the problem of human living. They never solve the heart problem because the problem is far much deeper. Our hearts are so self-absorbed with us that we seek to live our self-indulgent lives separate from God who made us. See, we're in Western Sydney, we're multicultural and, and in a way the world's got sort of two main, I suppose, thoughts and expressions. And So you've got the Eastern worldview and you've got the Western worldview, right? So some of you may have come from an Eastern country, some of you may have come from a Western country. And so we've actually got a mix in Australia of that. Now, the Eastern, now don't, I'm not going to put everything in a box, but you know, your, your Eastern mindset will be more mystical and spiritual and, and more about, you know, like you've got to clear your mind of these things. You need to do spiritual things. There's reincarnation. There's all these things that you must do for the spiritual mystical experience. But then you've got the Western mindset, which is a little bit more, you'll know, it's more rigid, right? It's religion, rules, regulations, and, you know, we must do these things this way and that. Now, don't put that fully in those boxes. But what can happen is, is that we as Christians can take a little bit of both. And it dives into our life. You know, on Tuesdays, we have Slushy Tuesday, where we go to 7-Eleven, and I think you're buying for a dollar with a card or a dollar fifty, and I buy the boys these slushies. Now, at 7-Eleven, like, you've got four flavours, if the, all the four machines are working, that is, right? So you've got cola, you've got strawberry, you've got the no sugar for those who don't want sugar, and it doesn't taste that. And then you've got the funky flavour, right? The one that's got, like, you know, it's lemon squeeze one week, or it's sour worms the next. You know, like, it's whatever you want. And so my boys, they, guess what they do? They take a mix of everything. I think that's going to be the answer. And, and I think sometimes we can take a mix of things that seem wise to think that's going to change our heart. That's what the monastics did back in the third, fourth century. They thought that if they separated themselves from the world and the pollution of the world and they just ate certain food, got up at 3 a.m., did this, did that, you know, and they had a whole bunch of rules, that they thought that would overcome the, sin, the, the, the nature of the sinful flesh. But Paul wants us, I think, to know the freedom we have from the futility of external regulations in harnessing and chaining your heart. Look at verse 20. Since you died, now that means you've got to go back to verse 12, and you can go back there later on. Since you've died in Christ and you've been raised with him, right? This is a reality. You're in Christ. You've died with Christ. You have everything in Christ. You've died with Christ to the elementary spiritual forces of this world. What does that mean? It's a, it's a tricky sentence. It's, it can get translated many ways, right? Some of you will have principalities of the world. Others, it will be spiritual. And sort of, you think, is it about the demonic or is it about this? Is it about principles? Well, here's what I think it's saying. It is a tricky verse. It's saying you've died to the principles of this world, to human tradition. You've died to the kingdom of darkness. So it's a bit of both. Like it's, you've, you've, you're no longer controlled by that. 
by the traditions of your world, whether it's Eastern or Western. It's, you're no longer controlled by those things. And so why do you use some of that to make you think it's going to make you submit and be better? You know, don't drink, don't eat, don't smoke, don't. Now, and I, I think verse 21, do not handle, do not taste, it's more ascetic, ascetic practices, you know, like, you know, instead of 6 a.m., I'm going to get up at 3 a.m. You know, and sort of not, not whip the flesh, but you'll do things in a way that brings your, your heart under control. That's, I think that's what he's talking about. You, so you won't eat that because you want to change your nature. But the problem is, right, Paul says they're actually very super attractive things and they have wisdom of the world, but yet they're just going to perish. There's humor there. You think this, this is going to transform your whole life, and yet there are things that are going to perish, but Jesus doesn't. You think that that's going to solve your problems and your heart condition, yet it's going to perish, but yet it's only Christ who can solve your heart problem. This, this super wise, verse 23. They, and these rules, they make you feel inadequate and not measuring up. Get up at 3 a.m. instead of 6 a.m. so you can pray extra hard. Now, that could be a good thing. But the, inde- the, the incredible depth of our moral needs can never be satisfied by rules and religion. They can never be regulated. We can never regulate our old life and control our unruly behavior by rules and regulations. Now, it'll look good. So if you try to tame your heart by rules and regulations, you may earn the image of being a super holy person, but one day you'll come to find that it's ineffective with dealing with your sinful problem. Hence why the gospel, hence why we need Jesus. That's why Christianity, if you're here today, not as a Christian or even as a Christian, hence why Christianity offers a a far more radical solution and effective solution to our stones of heart, to our problem in the world in Western Sydney and beyond. It offers something that nothing else can do. And it offers us Jesus who has done it all. That through faith we have died with him, we've been raised with him, and our stones of heart have gone to stones of flesh. And our sin has been nailed to the tree. It allows our old nature and our passions to die by having them nailed to a cross. So the only thing that will bring moral growth and a change of heart is being in Christ, being centered in Christ, having your eyes fixed on Christ. That's what well, the books of Colossians, it, it just it keeps reminding us, just keep your eyes fixed on the one who has the fullness of all things. Because see, if Christ has attained it all, how can you attain more? That expression, follow your heart, it's a pretty dangerous expression because it means you just follow it wherever you want to follow it. Now, at first, follow your heart, follow your desires, follow your dreams. It sounds really good to begin with. It feels like it's going to free you. But in the end, as you follow your heart, you'll end up finding that you've weighed yourself down with those expectations of the freedom that you could bring because you feel like you're free. It'll end up making you feel more overwhelmed and anxious and worried. So if Christ is all the fullness of God, it lives in bodily form. Therefore, if we've died in Christ, we have all the fullness because we've died with him. 
And so Paul says, don't let someone disqualify you because of what you don't eat or don't touch or don't drink. Don't let someone disqualify you, make you feel like you don't measure up because you're not as super spiritual as them. Don't let someone disqualify you because of religion and rituals of saying, hey, you should be meeting on a Saturday, not a Sunday. Rules don't change our hearts, Christ does. It's freeing, you know, as we feel the expectations, that are false expectations, we remember three things. You know, we're freed from the demands of religion, we're freed from the bondage of reputation and identity, and we're, and we're freed from the ineffectiveness of external regulations and practices that will bring us into check. Now, I know some of you will use the word but. We'll get to that in a moment. But I can, I can picture today, you know, some of you teenagers, you'll get home and mum will say to, to Jasmine, hey Jazz, can you empty the dishwasher and put all the dirty dishes in? And Jasmine will say to mum, mum, Pastor James said I'm free from all regulations and rules. Right, you got the, you know, like you get that, and then, and then, then, then young Petey, you know, he, he has saxophone on Monday, drums on a Tuesday, has mass tutoring on a Wednesday, and then he has, I don't know, history, history lessons on the Thursday, and then he got sport on the Friday, and got to come to church on a Sunday, and he says to mum, mum, I'm free from going to any of that because Pastor James said I'm free from rituals and rules. You know, and you got your little Jimmy, you know, he's 14, goes in the car keys. Where are you off to, Jimmy? Oh, Pastor said I'm free, so I can drive. Don't worry, the government. That's not what Paul's really talking about, is he? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not freedom to just go, you know, it's stuff the government, I'll just live my way. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about the, the freedom just to, to go, hey, these rules and regulations, I'm free. No, no, he's saying you're free from thinking that the rules and regulations will change your heart. Okay? That's what he's saying. Like, so, so it is actually very wise. So, so here we go. It is wise to have some boundaries in life, right? If you're addicted to alcohol or you have that addictive tendency, it's okay to have rules and regular rules that say i'm not going to go here or there or i'm going to not have it in the house you know they're good things right that's wonderful things to put in place but it won't change your heart it's the same if someone struggles with addiction with porn or sadly maybe it's been child porn it's okay to have boundaries in place to protect and to do those things but remember those things don't affect doesn't, doesn't you know, change your heart, God does. So that there, there is good things for us to, to, to have boundaries and rules. And so on that, you know, some of you today, you, you've gone, I go, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and your first response will be James, but if that's you here today, can I just encourage you to drop the but and to sit and to sit and to sit that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. If you're here today and you come to me and go, I'm free, I'm just going to do whatever I want. Well, you better jump to next week's passage today. Because next week's going to help us know how do we then live godly lives in light of this gospel freedom that we have. So can I encourage you today to do that? We need to sit in that. And next week, we're going to see the beauty and the wonder of gospel-captivated living that, that wants to put death to things because of who Christ is. So we've seen three things. 
things that encourage us, that we have freedom from religion and duty, the bondage of reputation and identity, ineffectiveness of external regulations and practices. We have freedom from those things. They're not going to, you don't have to feel the weight of living up to those things because you have the fullness and the freedom in Christ Jesus. God grows us, he changes us. And so we fix our eyes on him. Why? Because Jesus met the demands of the law. Jesus is our identity and Jesus changes our hearts of stone into stones of flesh. See, what was interesting with David Beckham was in that moment where he, he, he said, am I going to be good enough to play with these guys? Right? He didn't feel like he measured up. They thought, how's he going to, you know, he's nervous that first game. What's he going to do? Real Madrid. He was anxious. And, and as a commentator, so he said, what changed? He said, it changed. For, see, for him, it changed the moment his family walked in the stadium and he saw them in the crowd and he'd gone, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, they love me, they cherish me, that's all that matters. 2,000 years ago, Jesus broke into this world to die for you. To live the life you could not live, to die the death that you deserve to die. He was raised from the grave. So that you could find freedom, you could find life in death, you could find forgiveness in rebellion, and you can find spiritual growth in our inability because Christ is the one who doesn't. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that we don't have to let people disqualify us or judge us or or to say to us that we do not measure up because of some man-made rules. But Father, we thank you that the fullness of Christ and the freedom that Christ has gained us through the cross is ours through faith. So Father, help us to live in that truth, we pray this week. Amen.